tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 57. I think that we'll all agree this has been a year like none other. Somewhere along the line, I think all of us have been touched somehow by grief, whether it's been the loss of a loved one or the loss of a job or or maybe just the loss of something that we'd really looked forward to, like watching our child graduate or going on that European vacation we've been planning for years. I think we've all had to navigate grief on some sort of level. Well, in today's episode, my dear friend Rachel Wojo shares her most personal journey through grief and the loss of her daughter. But you know what? I think all of us, no matter what we've walked through, are going to find tips and tools for walking through our own loss. Because you guys, there's not a right way or a wrong way to do it. There's just simply the invitation to put our hand in the hand of our God, because He's going to be faithful to walk with us through it all. Well, hello there, Miss Rachel Wojo. I'm so glad to have you on The Living Room. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Joanna. It's a pleasure to be with you today. I just, I just love you so much. God uh, brought our paths together many years ago, and I've been a fan of you online. Um, For those of you who don't know Rachel, I'm not going to even try to say your real full last name. That's why we call you Rachel Wojo. What is, what is your last name? It is Wojnarowski. Yes, Rachel Wojo is with us today. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, Rachel has just been ministering to Christian women for many, many years. Um, And and yet at the same time, she's been walking um, a a challenging path, a blessed path uh, with. And I'm going to just maybe let you tell us a little bit about your family and then just a little bit about these last two years, because today I just have felt like there's a lot of people that are experiencing some kind of grief, some kind of loss. Life hasn't exactly gone the way they thought it would. And I've just watched the Lord strengthen you and give you give you wisdom through all of your journey. And so I'm excited to have you share that today. Well, I'm so honored that you would have me, Joanna. I um, have been a blogger, a women's ministry leader on some level for the last decade. It's hard to believe that it's been 10 years, actually 11, uh, moving to 12. Wow. And I have um, a large family. My husband and I, we live in Midwestern state of Ohio and around the Columbus area. We have seven children. Awesome. One of our children is in heaven, um, and we are blessed, blessed, blessed to have one living next door and five at home under our roof. So it's a happening household um, for sure. Every age and every stage. Our youngest, um, I, I realized the other day, you'll love this, Joanne. I, I came to the realization that this is a, quite a year coming up in that our oldest daughter is in her last year of her 20s. We have a son in his last year as a teenager. And then our youngest is in her last year of single digits. <laughs> wow. You really have all the stages and all the ages. I love it. 
All of that hit me in about a five minute period. And it almost took me to my knees. I was like, Lord, what are you doing? (laughs) I know. I know. I kind of felt that way when the Lord surprised us with an (laughs) unexpected pregnancy when I was 40. And oh my goodness, just doing the math blew my mind because I thought, you know, nowhere, anywhere in my life did I think I would actively parent for 35 years. Wow. Wow. That was a long time. I know. I know. And now I know that I'm officially old because Joshua just turned 18 and my oldest turned 35. And I'm like, oh my word. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. And, And you really can't. You can't get your head too wrapped around all of the statistics so you can kind of lose your mind. Exactly. Yeah. In the last two years, you had asked me in that original question about the last two years and our sweet Taylor um, passed away January 2nd, um, two years ago now. Um, it's hard to believe that it's been two years. She was 22 years old. She had a very rare metabolic disorder called mucopolysaccharidosis. Um, otherwise known for her subtype as San Filippo syndrome. And San Filippo syndrome is also known as the childhood Alzheimer's. So we walked a very long road from the time that she was diagnosed at the age of four all the way up until her death. Her little body just gradually endured neurological degeneration at every level in every cell of her body. And we walked that journey of um, heartache with her, sorrow, suffering, much suffering with her until all the way up until her death. Bless her heart, Joanna. She fought for four days so hard in her last breath because that is just what she had done all of her life. And so um, it was very difficult for me in the last two years to deal with the grief and the loss. And I know many listeners now are walking those same steps of loss with all of the issues that have resulted from COVID, grandparents, parents, unexpected deaths, um, even maybe nothing to do with COVID, but the loss of a child, the loss of an infant. Um, It is just, there are so many kinds of loss in the world that we think and tend to ball up grief into one big ball, and yet it really is segmented in so many fashions. Yeah, yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, I look at my life and I'm blessed that my par- both of my parents are still alive. Um, I haven't had death touch my life as often, but I've definitely had grief touch my life. And um, you and I were talking uh, before just kind of trying to decide what the direction the Lord would go. And um, 11 years ago, 11 and a half years ago, we said goodbye, maybe 12. (laughs) I'm in the same boat. Like, how did that fall? Uh, Said goodbye to a church that we loved, dearly loved. God made it really clear that our time was over, but it was a script that was not what we ever imagined. And there was just a lot of grief. Mm-hmm. Even though I had a peace in my heart that we were exactly what God, where God wanted us and doing what he wanted us to do. These were people that I had lived with and grown with and loved for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I knew there would be a period of grief. I knew that, you know, that I was going to have to go through grief. I didn't get to escape it. 
but I was kind of surprised how long it took. And, and, you know, and I, we're going to talk about that a little bit as some of the myths that I think surround grief. And I I really believe that this is going to help people who are walking through their own season of loss, but also help us to be able to come alongside those who are walking through the grieving process. Can you Mm -hmm. talk to us about the first thing that you've identified? You know, I think there are all sorts of common beliefs about grief that um, are such misnomers. They are not the truth at all. And it's like we have this expectation going into a season of loss or a season of grieving, thinking what we think it will be like and how how it is formed in our mind. And then instead of having these nice sharp edges in a, a perfectly square box, we find that it's this amoeba that's touching everything mm. else in our lives. And so I would say the first thing is that um, most people think that grief will get easier in time. You know, that old saying, time heals all wounds. And so they hold on to this thought that grief is going to get easier in time. And I have just come to learn in these last two years that, um, and I know, I know some would say, well, it's only been two years, but I would just encourage you that the grief may not get easier and it will come at crazy times when you're not even expecting it. But the thing about the grief is that you can grow stronger in the Lord in dealing with the grief. So it may not get easier, but you can grow stronger. And that is one thing that I have learned by pouring myself into the word and letting the word pour into me. I've just found an incredible strength in the Psalms specifically, but the entire word of God, I have found so much strength. And so I'm just grateful to have discovered that even though it doesn't get easier, there is strength to be had. You know, the verses that we know from from heart come back into our minds when we need them. And Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, was so vital to me. I mean, I know you know what this is like, Joanna, when you cannot get yourself out of bed and you know that your kids have to get up and go to school and you know that you have to earn a living and you know that you can't just shut down and curl up in a ball and stay on the bed, but it's all you can do not to do that. That is when God's strength comes into play. And I would just, I'm so thankful that I have known God's word and his promises prior to this season. Yeah. You know, I think that that really is, is an important point because often when we're in the middle of grief, I know that there have been times in my life where in the middle of sorrowing, um, I felt almost powerless to go to the work. Mm-hmm. I felt powerless to pray. But that's where I think, you know, being able to, in t- in those times that are good, that we're, we're storing up the word yes. um, for those times, but also, you know, to allow other people to speak the word over us, to to put on praise worship when we cannot praise. What were some things that just strengthened you during the time, that time? Oh, definitely praise and worship. And then um, I found because I was struggling mentally to stay focused and to keep from being depressed, I found that upping my 
physical activity was huge. Um, mm-hmm. Taking nature walks. Um, there was a, a time period where I know that um, God provided for our family in such a unique way that I was able to only have to focus on getting our family through the day. There wasn't a ton of other demands on my life during that time for about six months. And I'm so thankful for that because it enabled me to take walks, to ride the bike. And I needed that outdoor, fresh air, sunshine, biking, walking, whatever it was. I really needed that physical activity. So as hard as it is to get yourself moving, sometimes your physical body it just, you know, you get all those endorphins moving, you can start to focus, you can start to think more clearly, and then enabling yourself to recall scripture. There were times when I walked and I would just review the scripture in my mind. I would try to say every chapter or every verse that I knew by heart while I was walking. And the Lord would just bring other thoughts to my mind that I didn't even expect, you know, what you said about allowing people to speak the word over you. Oh, that is so important. And I think that's one of the parts that's really hard is that if you don't have a community, if you're not connected, um, then it can be challenging, you know, to have relationships where you have people speaking over you. As a family who had a child suffering for many years, there were about three years before her death where I was struggling even just to make it to church because she was so sick and we had caregivers coming and I was reliant on those caregivers. So many times, you know, I couldn't connect on Sundays and it's not that people intend to, but they sort of just forget, you know, when you're not there and you're not reaching out. And I would just encourage everyone who's listening to try to make sure that you stay in touch with your community, your family, your close friends, whoever your community consists of. Don't shut them out during a grieving process, you know, try to stay connected and spend time, even if you're not discussing the grief, even if you're not discussing the loss, you know, you still want to have face-to-face time together or being connected in some way, whether that's digital or face-to-face. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, to, to be honest, when you're in that grieving process, it is the hardest thing to do to push through. I mean, I remember during our time, you know, we were in actually a year and a half unplanned sabbatical between pastoring churches, totally ordained of God. So we would visit different churches on Sunday and we'd get fed. But I found myself so glad that I had a toddler that, uh, you know, four-year-old that I had to go drop off at the nursery and then I had to go pick him up. And I really isolated myself. Right because it felt safer, you know? And so, you know, I think sometimes we are like, yes, I need to connect, but oh, it can be so scary. Uh, Everything within us, like you said, just wants to curl up and just mourn the loss. How How did you get yourself to get moving? I spend as much time at the Lord as possible for sure. But that physical step of getting yourself to walk out of the house is probably the hardest one, you know, that first step. Um, And so I would pray my way through getting myself ready to do that. Like I would just pray from 
the time I woke up until the time it was ready to go. You know, I, I needed to be somewhere or um, a moment to go somewhere as far as walking, biking, you know, whatever it was. I would just pray my way to that and say, Lord, please help me, you know, take that first step. And I knew that if I could get out the door, that it might not get any easier, but his strength was there and I could learn how to rely on it. Yeah. Well, so good. What is another one of the common beliefs that may not be (laughs) accurate? (laughs) Well, I think this is probably um, one of the ones that I can relate to the most out of the four that I've written here, but it is the common misnomer or myth that grief follows a linear progression that is in stages, you know, and that you walk through these stages of grief. And that once you've passed through the stage of anger, or once you've walked past through the stage of, you know, mourning so deeply, or once you've walked through the stage of coping with, you know, the reality that it will be over and you'll go on to the next phase. And it's like, we all think that there will be this finish line to cross. And that is just not the case at all. There is no linear progression to grief. And so to think in our minds that we're going to walk across these steps and then we'll never go back and cross those same steps again is just such a frivolous thought. And I think um, I'm just so, so grateful to understand from the Psalms that I am not the only one who has encountered this unpredictable roller coaster of grief. I was reading Psalm 77 yesterday, and I just love how the psalmist takes you on such a tumultuous emotional journey throughout that psalm. And he does not hold back in the depth of his feelings and emotions. And I, I just think that when we understand that God himself as Jesus experienced that roller coaster of emotions, you know, he himself went through that. He experienced every emotion that we experience as humans. And I'm so grateful that he, he does not, um, He does not decline away from us at all, but rather beckons us to him. That that roller coaster of emotion is a call to him. And I think a lot of times we we shut him out or we step aside or we think that we have to have our words all together before we go to him. And that is not the case. If all you can do is go to God and cry, we are promised that the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. You don't have the energy to turn on your worship music. You are promised that his presence is right there with you and that he understands who you are, what you're thinking, every emotion that you're experiencing. And he is patient for those who wait, who are willing to, to wait and until they are experiencing other emotions. I would say that, you know, this issue of grief not coming in stages is just important for people in the step of recognizing that God understands your grief. And I remember, Joanna, and I'm going to get really emotional about this, but I just remember at one point 
and Taylor's suffering those last four days that were so hard to watch her body and her little mind as she, you know, started to approach heaven's gates. And I just sat there thinking, you know, Lord, you don't know what this is like. And Joanne, Mm. I heard very clearly, very clearly, God said to me, yes, I do. I sent my son to suffer and die for you. And at that moment, I realized that God loved me so deeply, you know, and that his presence was so strong in Taylor's room during those last four days that the deepest, the deepest suffering and the deepest sorrow is a window to the deepest love of our God. If we are willing to allow him to provide that to us, and if we're willing to allow ourselves to be open to it, I think most of it is that we shut ourselves down because we think that the grief is bad. And it's not all bad. It's not. There is joy, beautiful joy in that gets paired along with the deepest sorrow. Yeah. Oh. You know, and I, I and I do wonder if part of our struggle sometimes is we don't have a full understanding of even the theology of suffering. You know, that Christ made suffering holy. You know, I I think we just expect that this world is going to be heaven. And then we're really disappointed when it isn't. <laughs> and, and so navigating all those questions of why did this happen? And I always tried to do things right. And then so even that confusion can exasperate our sorrow. And I, I think you bring up such an important point that God is right there in the middle of our sorrow, mm-hmm. that, that he captures our tears in a bottle Psalms 56, 8 says, and I heard one speaker say, he, he literally takes, takes note of the weight and the depth of our suffering. Mm -hmm. He he doesn't just discard it. He doesn't just say, you know, straighten up. In fact, you know, me and my girls, Martha and Mary (laughs) spent so many years thinking of that story. And one of the most beautiful parts is when Jesus says to these grieving sisters, just broken and shattered by the death of their brother. And in John chapter 11, he says, where have you laid him? And they take him to the tomb. And it doesn't say Jesus says, well, you know, buck up sisters, because I'm going to do a miracle. Or if you get a good, if you don't have the right attitude and all of this, then, or you have unbelief, he does it. The Bible says Jesus wept. He got down in the middle of the sorrow, even though he knew that something beautiful was going to happen on the other side. And I wonder if we would let God get down in the suffering rather than feeling that distance that often, it, you know, that can happen, that we feel a distance from God mm-hmm. to realize that those tears are almost are like a magnet to the father's heart. Like he's drawn to us in our sorrow. He doesn't just... He doesn't just remain distant and unattached. And even when we don't see him or feel him, he's right there in the middle of the pain. Mm. 
He's so good. You know, I, I do think though, that when, it, though it isn't a linear process, it is a process. <laughs> Have you found that as well? Yes, for sure. You know, along the same lines of what you just said, I just, um, in the midst of Taylor's sickness, and I had no idea that she was going to take such a turn for the worse. But a few weeks prior to that turn, a dear friend of ours who has um, three boys who have suffered from this same disease, MPS, and their middle son, who is very close to Taylor in age, had passed away. He has three beautiful sisters. And um, the girls are so close. And I drove to their town outside of, of our city a couple hours away to be at the funeral or at, at the service of this young man. And I, in all my life, have never really understood the passage, weep with those who weep. Because um, I, you know, I've had family members, I've had friends, you know, my husband will say, oh, you cry over everybody, you know, what makes the difference? But I felt the mourning of one of the daughters, the sister of this young man who'd passed away so deeply, Joanna, that I had no words. Mm -hmm. I had no words. And when I saw her, all I could do was stand and hold her and let her cry. And for um, the entire duration of the time that I was there, and it was in between, you know, movements, there, there was no time to talk, but that was the only comfort I gave to her was yeah. holding her and letting her cry and walking away. I had no words. And I honestly believe that that was the greatest that I've ever been able to minister to someone because I didn't have words, you know? And so I would just encourage you again on twofold level to go to the Lord, even when you don't have words, and then maybe understand that you don't have to have words to minister to someone. Just being there and hugging them or holding them or putting your arm around them is enough to minister. Mm-hmm. We don't have to have all the right words. And I think when it says Jesus wept, that's exactly what he was doing. He was entering into their sorrow and participating in the grief because he knew that there was something so much better waiting. He knew, but his heart was for them, for Mary and Martha. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you bring up an important point because I think so many of us want to do something. You know, we want, we want to fix the situation. We want to come up with some clever response. And I know, (laughs) I know when I found out I was pregnant at 40 and, and it, I didn't handle it very well. Let's just put it that way. And people would come up, you know, trying to come up with words of comfort, you know, and it was so funny because they almost always backfired. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would just nod my head, but I would think, yeah, I've already thought of that. And here's, the, here's my response, you know, and I wasn't trying to be rebellious, but I think 
mere words, man's wisdom is never going to bring the comfort that, that just letting God love someone through us mm-hmm. and, and even like make, making room for their pain. Right. And people do say all the wrong things. I just want to give, while we're recording this, some affirmation to that person who's sitting there saying, but you don't know what they've said to me. Mm. Oh, I I get it. People have said some of the craziest, strangest things to me in this season of grief. And they think that those things they're saying are going to bring encouragement or they're trying to have some empathy and they're trying to process. Most people, you know, one of the best things that has been said to me is I can't imagine what you're going through. And so I just want to throw that out there. If you have some words that you're trying to find to say to someone who is hurting, use that phrase. I can't imagine what you're going through. Because the truth is, unless you're them, you can't wrap your head around it. Even if you've been through the same circumstances, even if you've lost a child, you know, every child, and that kind of brings us to the next point, Joanna, that I think um, there's sort of this comparison level of grief in our minds. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, you know, how we think there's a sin level, like, oh, lying is worse than murdering. But in God's eyes, they're the same. Both are both both are sin. There's no level of sin, and I would just encourage our listeners to think of grief as the same way. There is not one loss that's more severe than another. The um, ways that we size it up and manage it in our minds might be different, but losses are not the same. And because they are not the same, we should not compare grief. We should not say, oh, her grief is heavier than mine, or I think my grief is worse than his, or, you know, there should be no comparison of grief because every person is unique. God has created us individually. The way we process our perspectives, our backgrounds, everything about us is unique. And so our grief will be unique also. And I just want to encourage you that if you're If you're tempted to compare your grief to someone else's and think, oh, I really shouldn't be struggling with this this much because it's not nearly as bad as what so-and-so has gone through or what they're dealing with, um, do not belittle your grief in that way, but rather look at it from a different perspective and ask the Lord to show you how you can minister within the grief that you have. You know, in Mm -hmm. Psalm 42... There's a phrase that says, deep calls to deep. And so I feel, Joanna, that because God entrusted me with this precious girl, entrusted our family with this beautiful daughter for so many years, and her life was filled with suffering, but we were blessed to care for her. We were blessed to walk her hand over to cross Jordan's River into heaven. And I just want to say that that phrase, deep calls to deep, gives me the hope that because of what we've walked through, we can relate to other people where their grief is, no matter what the loss is. I don't even have to tell them my story. I can just simply say, let me be here for you. 
-hmm. Let me hug you. Let me walk with you. You know, um, a lot of times we need some tangible, tangible ways we can help people. You know, we need to send that piece lily. We need to write that card. We need to take that meal. But a lot of times it's just the simple smile and listening. Listening is so underrated. It was just so underrated. There, there could be a lot more listening in the world today. And I'm, I'm working on that personally. Yeah. I, I love that you bring that up because when we do compare our grief, a lot of times, then what happens is we push down our grief and it always comes out sideways somewhere. <laughs> and I just wonder if there's not somebody listening today that has just felt like I don't have a right to grieve, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm walking through this divorce and it's incredibly painful, but there's a whole lot of other worse things that could happen. And I love that, that the Lord just never, you know, like you said, the Psalms is just so raw and honest. God never says, tidy up your emotions, push it down, buck up. Instead, he says, pour out your hearts to me, oh people. And and so I, I love that. I know I do know that whatever level of grief and sorrow that we've walked through, that God wants to meet us there. You know, I keep thinking of that verse in First Thessalonians 4.13. It says, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. But I think it's important to realize it doesn't say we do not grieve. Mm. It just says, we've got a hope. We've got, we've got a God who is taking what seems to be the end of the story and he's doing something completely new that there's, that he's going to bring beauty out of ashes. He's going to give them more oil of joy for, for mourning. And, and so yes, let's acknowledge it. And, and then I also think for me, it's like, God help me move through it. Because as much as there's not stages, I, I have found, at least in my life, that it is possible to get stuck in my grief. Did you ever struggle with little stuck places? Um, yes, for sure. Absolutely. Um, there are places where you just you hit pause. And I, I think a lot of times um, you think you're over something. And then there are these triggers associated with your loss that come about on in the most unexpected ways. For example, um, every winter for Taylor's entire life in the fall slash winter, I would buy footy pajamas for her. Hmm. And um, just for so many years, those were her, you know, go to comfort item and, and even, you know, in her, her little body as a 22 year old, those just were one of the most comfortable things that she could wear. And I saw um, in the store over the, this, this past weekend, I saw the footy pajamas in Target that I typically would buy for her. And just this wave came over me, you know, the, the years of the habit of purchasing those pajamas for her and her wearing those and those just being so much a part of her life, that wave of missing her overwhelmed me. And I think that it just, those types of things can come out of the blue. You think you're doing so great. And then all of a sudden a wave hits you of that nature and kind of lingers for a couple of days that can make you feel stuck for sure. Um, and so taking that to the Lord and just taking it as a reminder 
that um, we were blessed to be a part of her life that, you know, instead of weeping over those pajamas, I managed to, to smile in the midst of thinking about them, about the comfort that they brought and the whole idea behind them, how they, she even started wearing those. So I just would encourage our listeners, you know, in, in that way that if your grief hits you by surprise in the most unexpected times, it's normal. (laughs) You're not abnormal. You're not crazy. Um, That just happens because of the way our memories work. God designed us to remember those moments. Right. You know, and I think for me, in my journey through the grieving process, mine was a little bit different because there was some hurt. (laughs) Yeah. there, there was definitely loss of relationship. There were some things that were really hard to navigate. And for the first year, I had supernatural grace, like just supernatural grace. But somewhere along a year anniversary, I let a grievance slip in and take root. Mm-hmm. And that's what got me stuck. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, everything began referring back to that point of pain. And so I, I do wonder, you know, if, if maybe someone listening today that has walked through a loss that does involve a betrayal or, or, um, some kind of a, a, what feels like an injustice that we, and you know, maybe it is the loss of a loved one that feels like an injustice. Right. Right. Maybe we're struggling to forgive God for it. I know for me, I had to get alone. And I had to hammer out forgiveness because I, I could feel my soul shriveling um, as I got stuck in the grieving. So I, I so appreciate, you know, I think it's like you said from the beginning, there's different kinds of grief. And that's why we so much need our good shepherd <laughs> to shepherd us through it. But you you have for the fourth belief that sometimes maybe holds us back. Can you share that? I think that um, one of the biggest things that I thought about grief initially, because, you know, we had many years of practice in dealing with grief. Mm. We knew from the day of Taylor's diagnosis at age four, that she would, her life would most likely be taken by this disease. The average lifespan was 10 to 15 years. And so for us to have her until age 22 is a huge blessing, you know, that, that God gave us. But I would say that, you know, at that point, the pain is so deep and you just feel like you'll never be the same and you can never move on. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, believe that to be true, except that we have a different perspective in that um, I think my focus has learned to change from I will never be the same to I never want to be the same. Mm. Oh, so good. And then rather than saying I can never move on, I want to say that, you know, I want to have the perspective of, I don't have to move on, but I can move forward. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to, you know, that phrase, some people say, oh, get over it. I don't have to get over it, 
But how I choose what I do with it is another story. How I choose to let Taylor be remembered and how I choose to tell her story is so important. And the narrative that we bring to our stories is really our interpretation of what God wants to do in our lives. You know, Colossians 1, 11 to 14, I love the New Living Translation. It says, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So you know, we don't have to, we have that power and that endurance and that, that patience and that joy. We have all of those things accessible to us through Jesus, but we don't have to have the perspective that we can never move on. We just have to have the perspective that God wants us to continue on. He has something that he wants us to continue to do in his kingdom here on earth. Taylor is gone, but I am still here and God still has purpose for my life. And part of my purpose is to share her story. God gave her story to me. He, he entrusted me with that. So I would say, you know, for that person who is trying to figure out how do I move on? How do I move on? Don't try to move on. Just try to move forward Mm -hmm. instead of thinking you have to get over it or through it, I would say carry it with you and let it become how you have a lens of helping other people and serving the Lord. Like I said, instead of thinking I will never be the same, remember that you never want to be the same. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I would say that I look back on myself as a as a 20-something-year-old girl that God gave this beautiful baby too. And I, Taylor was my first child and I really believed that, um, I had all of these dreams. You know, I was one of the kids who had dolls growing up and who always wanted to be a mother, you know, just always. And so with Taylor being my first daughter, I, I believed that I was going to teach her everything she needed to know. And I would had all of these dreams of, you know, teaching her how to play the piano and teaching her, you know, all of her ABCs and one, two, threes and how to read, how to write and all of those joys of parenthood I dreamed of. And I did have the privilege of seeing a lot of those things come to fruition. And definitely God has given me other children who are such a blessing, such a blessing. But I would say God actually gave Taylor to me, not for me to teach her, but for Mm. her to teach me. And I just think that whoever's dealing with this grief, whoever is listening, dealing with loss, maybe the perspective that you need to try to focus on, you need to look through the lens of, is that God has entrusted you with whatever this is in your life. He has given it to you not to um, be your only story, 
but to weave the gospel, to have an opportunity to share his love, to have an opportunity to share his peace, his mercy, his grace with others. And if there's any way that you can look at yourself and say, you know what? I will never be the same. That could be true, but I never want to be the same. I want to use this for God's glory and I want to use it for his kingdom work. God can do miracles. He just does miracles. And sometimes the miracles that he does are not ones that we can see physically, but they are ones that happen in the heart. Mm. Well, that's definitely been my experience, you know, walking through different kinds of grief at different times, different losses. And it is so easy to fixate on what we've lost and, and miss what we have, number one, but also to miss the opportunity that God, God wants to use what the enemy meant for evil and he wants to do good. And, and like most of all, I believe he, I look back and I go, Oh Lord, some of those places of pain and loss, I would do a thousand times again because of the, what the work he did in my heart in the middle of it. And so, you know, I, I think one of the things I had to do was let God define, God define rather than asking why, why, why say, Lord, yeah. what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And, and just press close to him and make ourselves available to him. Oh my goodness. Um, Rachel, I could just talk to you for hours. There's so many questions I still want to ask. I want to ask you, you know, what are the lessons that you learned? What did, what did uh, your beautiful daughter Taylor teach you? But you know what? I just believe that today there are some women who have maybe stumbled onto this podcast that are walking through grief or have been denying their grief. And it's coming out in some not very good ways. And the Lord just wants to invite them to bring their pain to him. Mm -hmm. Would you just pray over those who are listening today? Absolutely. My privilege. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for the opportunity to share the gospel, to share your love with all of those listening, to share what you can do in the middle of grief, how you meet us where we are. Lord, I'm so thankful that you've met me where I am. And God, I pray for all of those listening. Lord, I pray that where they are, in their sorrow and in their pain, that you would meet them, that you would meet them and they would experience you as I have experienced, that your mercy and grace would surround them, that in that mercy and grace, they would see you more clearly than they've ever seen before. And that the reality of who you are would be made known and be made manifest in their lives so that they never forget and they never look back and say, I will never be the same. But they look back and say, I never want to be the same. And Lord Jesus, I pray for those who are struggling to come to you with words that they would recognize they don't have to have the words. They're do not have to be words in their mouth that your Holy Spirit understands our grief before we ever even utter a word. We praise you for that. We praise you for that gift. And now I pray as each of us go our separate ways as we leave this time together, that they would be able to 
think about not necessarily moving on, but moving forward, that next right step that you have for them. And I praise you and thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know, uh, Rachel, I, I just felt like we need to circle back a little bit into what God is currently doing in your heart, because I've had it kind of my on my heart for probably six months to call you and to have you on the podcast. And so I finally did it the other day. And will you share what the timing of the Lord? <laughs> well, I have struggled a bit in ministering. I think my readers would probably say they've say, seen every side of the grief. Um, I have allowed myself to be honest and forthright and um, have not necessarily done what I am capable of doing in regards to walking with the Lord and and showing um, what it looks like to have faith in Him and teaching what I have learned during this time. So for two years, I feel like I have walked a very long road of grief and learned a lot and done my best but made some mistakes. I finally felt like last week the Lord was allowing me to be real in a new way in that I could start to share what has worked for us. And mm. I literally changed a little bit of my website around and put my grief journey at the top of the website with my letters to Taylor um, posts and I just felt like the Lord was directing me to begin to share about grief in a little more detail and to um, encourage others who are in deep pain and deep loss. And it's very hard to encourage people when they're in deep pain and deep loss. When you know the depth of that pain, um, it can just be really tough to offer any words to that pain. But I had just made that transition and really felt over the weekend like God was calling me specifically to that. And literally your phone call came and it was affirmation that God is doing a work in my heart and my life and that he works in the Holy Spirit, works in your life and your heart and that you called me as a result. So it's just a really cool way that God um, gave me that affirmation through you. And I appreciate you so much. Well, you know, I was just thinking just the beautiful timing of the Lord. I, I think we don't, um, we really don't understand his tenderness with us and that he does take us at a pace we can go. And I, I wanted you to share that because I just think there's some girls out there that just wonder, will I ever get on the other side? And, mm. and I just, you know, I, I really just sense in my spirit that there's some breakthroughs. There's some breakthroughs for women who are listening and, and you can trust the Lord. You don't have to, you don't have to make the breakthrough happen. You just let the Lord minister to your heart and he's going to bring Amen. He's gonna bring you through those steps. And, and like you said, it doesn't mean that you'll never feel grief again. It, it's just that there's going to be that forward movement. And so, I just so appreciate you, Rachel. I, I'm there's so many beautiful resources that you have available. Where can people find you online? Well, thank you for asking. You can always reach me at rachelwojo.com. We're doing some housekeeping currently, but our Bible reading plans have been um, 
greatly appreciated in the last year, especially with COVID. Those are digital downloads. And so I appreciate you asking. Always can go to rachelwojo.com, head over to the shop to check out the resources. And then um, if anyone is interested in, in learning more about our journey, you know, five years ago, before Taylor was really ill, I wrote a book called One More Step, Finding Strength When You Feel Like Giving Up, and it shares a lot of our journey. I never intended to write a book about our life story. It's not necessarily our life story, but it has illustrations in every chapter from our life story, and it was just what I knew and how God worked. So if you're struggling with discouragement and you need just you know, you're not looking for some huge milestone. You just want to be able to get out of bed the next day. It's a great book. Mm, I love that. I love that. And you can always find Rachel on Facebook and Instagram. and um, I think all the places, right? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> well, I love you, my friend. And I can't wait to see what God is going to continue to do through you and through your willingness to make your story available to him. God bless you, my friend. I, the same for you. Thank you, Joanna. Wow. Such a beautiful story and such a beautiful woman. I hope that you'll find Rachel online and check out all of her resources. And if you've been locked down by grief, I hope that you'll join her beautiful community online where you'll be encouraged and and you'll be, (laughs) you'll have a safe place to share your heart. Be sure to check out the show notes at joannaweaverbooks.com forward slash 057. We'll link to Rachel's book as well as her website and social media. While you may feel like I do, as though my grief doesn't really compare to Rachel's, I so appreciate that she's been faithful to remind us that our grief matters to God. We don't need to compare because when we hurt, God hurts. And He invites us to invite Him into our sorrow. He wants to heal our hearts because, you guys, this isn't the end of our story, but it is an important part. What the enemy meant for evil, God wants to use to turn it into something beautiful, something good. He wants to comfort you, and then He wants to strengthen you so that the comforted becomes a comforter, so that you can live and love and lead like Jesus. God bless you, my friend.